good morning and welcome as we return to our series looking through the book of Nehemiah all around the theme of building for God. In week one we looked at chapter one looking at the beginning of the process and how it starts with prayer as we receive the vision for the task that God has for us to do. As we looked at Nehemiah chapter 2, we looked at the process of preparation. And today, as we come to chapter 3, it's time to get practical. It's time for the work to begin. And so the question this morning is, what can we learn from this chapter as we think about the building process? I once read a quote that said, a dream doesn't become a reality through magic. It takes sweat, determination and hard work. And we begin to see the reality of this in this deeply practical chapter. Now this chapter, if read on its own, can appear a bit dry, maybe a a list of simply of who did what. But the interesting thing for me as I've read this chapter, the third chapter of Nehemiah's book, is that actually Nehemiah doesn't even get a mention. This chapter is dedicated solely to highlighting the work of God's people. You see, to make a dream a reality, yes, you need sweat, yes, you need determination, yes, you need hard work, but something that is neglected to be mentioned in that quote that I think is essential to seeing our dreams and our visions become a reality is that we need community. We need people around us. We need people to build with, people to partner with, people to share and capture that vision together, to stand shoulder to shoulder. And we see that here in this chapter. So, so why don't we read together? We're going to just read a short section of chapter three. We'll read from verses one to 12 and you can catch up in your own time by reading further. So let's look at it together. So Nehemiah three, starting at verse one. Eliashib, the priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt, rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hanel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining sections, and Zachar, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah, and they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Meremoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hekoz, repaired the next section, and next to him Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshebo, made repairs, and next to him Zadok, king of Vanna, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The, Jesh- the Jeshana gate was repaired by Jediah, son of Pesha, and Meshulam, son of Besadiah. There's a lot of tough words here. (laughs) They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by men from Gibeon and Mizpah, Melatiah of Gibeon and Jadon of Merinath, places under the authority of the governor of the Trans-Euphrates. Uziel, son of Harahiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Rephaiah, son of Hur, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jediah, son of Haramath, made repairs opposite his house, and Hattush, son of Hashbenai, made repairs next to him. And then we go on to verse 12. Shalom, son of Helosheth, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. And so it goes on in this chapter, just mentioning by name the people of God and and their contribution to rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem. God's people have set 
to work. And their work is documented here in this book for all the world to see as they read about it. And what struck me as I kind of reflected on each family mentioned and the significance of the contribution, it was the significance of their contribution in the story, it was that they all had a part to play. You know, we are all God's people and actually in the same way we are the continuation of God's story that started hundreds and thousands of years ago. I wonder what God would write about about us. Um, what would he record about us and about how we've contributed to the building of his kingdom? See, here we see everyone is getting involved. Priests, nobles, families, sons and even daughters are all working together. Perfume makers, everyone has a part to play as they work side by side rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. You know, what a beautiful picture of the church and how God intended us to be. United with purpose, united in that mission, each taking ownership and responsibility of our own section or our own bit of the build, working side by side, shoulder to shoulder, encouraging one another to keep going. And, and so we see all sorts of people here pulling up their sleeves and getting stuck into the work. No one is disqualified from God's plans and purposes. And the truth is, if we really want to see the kingdom of God come in all areas of society, it's going to require all of God's people to come together, to pull their sleeves up and to help to build. See, we find our place as we come together to work. We find our place in the purposes of God as we do it together. And so there's three things that I just wanted to pick out this morning, uh, three practical things um, as we think about building the kingdom of God. And the first thing is this, that we need to step up. So the first thing that we see in this chapter is a list of the people who are willing to step up to the task, to take responsibility for their section. A sense in which that as we begin to serve, even in the simple areas, even in the things that are just right in front of us, that actually God can use that little process to become part of a bigger picture. And what God is looking for is hearts willing to serve, willing to build, willing to get to work and submit to his will and his instructions alongside others in that process. But one thing we do see in this chapter is that actually not everyone was on board. In verse 5, um, particularly in the ESV translation, it translates it like this. It says, And next to them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. And that's interesting that it was recorded that they would it, it didn't say that they wouldn't stoop to serve Nehemiah. You know, it doesn't say that they wouldn't stoop to stoop to serve the Lord, but rather it specifically records that these nobles wouldn't stoop to serve their God. You know, these are men who knew God, but they saw serving his purposes as beneath them. And I just think that's a warning. I, mean, I want to be so careful that in my heart, I would never think that anything that God is asking me to do is beneath me, that there's no task too menial. There's no task that's too hidden. You know, we are all servants of God. He is Lord of our lives and he's asking us to submit to his will and he's asking us to do things. And you know, my heart, I hope for all of us is that we would be obedient as God asks us to step up to the task. We don't want to be like those nobles who saw it as beneath them. Their response was also noted. It was also written in the Bible. See, God is watching our response to his commands and his commissions. He is looking for people to entrust with his work. 
So as a result, these nobles are the only people not to find their place or their position in this story of what God is doing. We want to be intentional in our attitude to serving God and giving it to him as part of our worship. You know, Jesus modelled that. Him, Jesus, as the Son of God, did not see serving as something that was beneath him. In Philippians 2, chapter 6, it says, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Jesus models servanthood. Jesus models that nothing was beneath him. We all have a part to play. We all have to work together. And as we do that, we achieve more for the kingdom of God rather than just one person by themselves. One of the values that I love in the vineyard is that everyone gets to play. I love that value. I think it's so key to to who we are as a church. We all have an important part to play as we give our lives to serving the kingdom purposes of God. So firstly, we need to choose to step up. Secondly, we need to step together. Throughout this chapter, as I've I've sort of touched on already, I think the most striking thing that we see is this picture of people working together, working side by side. Whether they're priests or nobles, perfume makers, sons, daughters, everyone's working together to rebuild the wall. In fact, the phrase next to him or next to them occurs uh, occurs 21 times throughout chapter 3. And so we see this picture that's really highlighting the fact that people are building alongside one another, next to each other, working side by side, doing their part, creating um, something that's part of a much bigger story as it connects together. And I just see this as such a prophetic picture of the church working together, that actually this is how God intended it to be. His church, the body of Christ, many different parts, you know, many different responsibilities. You know, we all have different giftings, different jobs, different places that we're called to go and serve. But as we do it, we do it together. We stand side by side. And as we do that, a great work can be achieved. We can build something of significance for the kingdom of God. And so God's heart is that we would not build in isolation. Um, You know, God in the Bible, it says that it is not good for man to be alone. And for me, this is more than just about finding a marriage partner, but rather it's about finding fullness of life uh, as we discover connection and community with other people. God's heart for us is to live in community. That's what we've been created for. There's a a desire in all of us to be connected, to be known by one another. And I think that's been highlighted uh, even more in this season of our lives. You know, there are lots of us who have moments where we struggle with the isolation. We're missing families and and missing friends and, and missing those connection points with other people. It's such a key part of who we are. You know, community and connection, out of that place comes encouragement. Out of that place comes life. You know, when we feel like things are tough, when we're asking questions like, what's the point? Or when we feel tired or when we feel down, we can look around to the right and the left and allow people side by side to encourage us, to inspire us, to to cheer us on. You know, sometimes we need encouragement, but sometimes we get to be the one who gives encouragement. You know, sometimes we need a bit of looking after, but sometimes we get to be the one looking after others. 
Sometimes we need to be inspired, but sometimes we get to be the ones inspiring others. You know, this is the blessing of living in community. In Psalm 133 verse 3, it says, How good is it when brothers live together in unity? And it goes on to say, For there the Lord bestows his blessing. See, God releases blessing over his people when there is unity. Uh, and we see that continued, that theme in the New Testament. Uh, even Jesus, when he prays, he's praying for all believers. And it's a powerful prayer uh, found in the book of John in chapter 17, verse 22. Uh, and he says, he prays this, I have given them glory that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me may they be brought together in complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them. And I think this is such a powerful prayer that even Jesus as he prays to his father it, we see this community uh, we see community within the trinity you know one but separate and and as Jesus prays for his church he prays for unity in the church and the purpose of that unity is to reveal the love of the father through Jesus you know our oneness our unity is a picture of the kingdom of God and we're not the same. Unity doesn't mean the same, but rather it means united by a common purpose to reveal Jesus and to see the kingdom of God built. This is what we're called to do as God's people. So we don't do it alone. We need each other. We need to do our part next to each other, side by side. You know, our best on our own and in, on our, in our own strength is not enough. We can't do it in isolation. And so in order to build the kingdom, we also need to build each other up. We need to build our faith as we learn from each other, as we, as we teach each other, as we strengthen each other in our ongoing walk with God. I wonder how many of us have seen toddlers having a tantrum when they're offered help with something. You know, they push them away. I'll do it. I'll do it. You know, that's a childish attitude. But actually, a grown-up attitude is to welcome help. It's to welcome the knowledge of others. It's to welcome wisdom. It's to welcome the wisdom of those who have gone before. When we honour each other, when we work together, when we accept, accept instruction and encouragement, and even at times criticism when it comes from the right place, we get to build faster. We get to build more effectively and stronger. So our building process is accelerated when we do it in community and when we do it in unity. There is blessing where there is unity. And we see that here, that often, um, what, what we also see, sorry, is that people built in families. And again, I just, just think that's a great picture of, of the church. There's so many expressions of church, but we are all one body of Christ. And when we build in unity, we get to show the world a different story. One without division and without our own amb ambition. You know, we want to be united in love through Jesus and united in purpose. This is how we build something of value, something that will last, something that will survive and stand the test of time. So we need to step up and we need to step together. And finally, the third thing is that we need to step out. We need to get to work. You know, I think that as church families, God has assignments for all of us. I don't think that denomination, denominations or different churches are meant to be in competition with each other, but actually I think we're all expressions of God's family with different assignments. 
You know, some churches right now are pioneering and leading the way in technology and engaging with people online, you know, being relative and accessible, um, and we get to learn from them. Some churches are trailblazing in their compassion ministries and serving the poor, and we get to learn from them. Others are so anointed in teaching the word of God and unpacking difficult theology in a way that's accessible and easy to understand. Others are pioneering ways, creative ways to reach the lost. All of these things are good. All of these things are on God's heart. But the truth is that we can't be all things to all people. But we can stand shoulder to shoulder with the body of Christ and encourage and honour and ask God, what is our section of the wall that he's asking us to build? What is it that God has given us to build here in Stirling? What is the assignment that God has given Stirling Vineyard? What is he asking this church family to build? What is it that God's asking you to build? And I'd love to do all that stuff that I just mentioned that other churches do so well, but we're at the start of our building process. And my prayer and my question is, God, what are you asking us to build now? What are the foundations that you're wanting us to put in place? And as I've prayed that prayer, you know, I passionately want us to be a church who pursues the presence of God, who are hungry for his word, who are hungry to know his voice and to encounter and meet with God, to pursue relationship with him, that that would be our foundation and our starting place, that we would welcome and be filled with the spirit and the word of God. Let's pursue personal relationship with Jesus. Let that be the starting place. That as we look to encounter God, that actually other people would get to encounter him and his love through us as a result. That as we pursue the presence of God, we would take him with us in whatever context, whatever context we are, and that we would be able to recognise God and his leading around us wherever we are that God would teach us to be sensitive to the leading and the guiding of his spirit. And so that's the starting place, uh, but not the finishing place. What about the people here? Where did they start? They started where they were. Verse 10, Harumaf made repairs opposite his house. If we go on to verse 23, which we didn't read, um, but it says, Hashab made repairs in front of his house. Verse 29, Zadok, son of Imar, made repairs opposite his house. And what we see again and again is the people of God starting the building process right where they were at. Now, they didn't look around for the most prestigious and ambitious part of the wall to build, but rather they started with what was in front of them. As they walked out their front door, they saw what was broken, they saw what was needed to be done, and they took responsibility for it and they began to get to work. I wonder this morning, what is broken on our doorstep? What is going on in the lives of the very people that we share a street with? What is broken in the lives of our friends, our colleagues, our families? And and I feel really challenged by this. We need to start where we're at. What are even some of the small ways that we can begin to build on our doorstep? You know, one of the things I thought about as I pondered this question is to pray. And I just felt really challenged that I want to begin intentionally prayer walking my street. You know, what if we use the last few weeks of this lockdown to be really intentional and regularly prayer walking even the street that we live on or to pray around our area? 
You know, what if every Christian in Stirling began to prayer walk regularly just their street? What if we began to just pray simple prayers like, God, build your kingdom here. God, we welcome your spirit on this street. Lord, I pray for encounters with you on my street. God, I pray for the people in these houses on my street. You know, what if we start just doing that intentionally, day by day, or even if we just make a a commitment to do it once a week over the next season, you know, to walk our little streets, to walk around our little area of Stirling, just praying, God, build your kingdom here. Fix the brokenness, fix broken marriages, broken relationships, heal the sick. You know, I think we prepare the way for God to move as we pray. And so let's prepare the way for God to move right on our doorsteps. Let's invite him to use us as we do it, as we pray. Let's encourage each other. You know, maybe this is something that we could do together as a church. You know, maybe we could start a little WhatsApp group separate for anyone that wants to get involved where we just encourage each other um, that, that we went out, that we walked, that we prayed and maybe just sharing a sense of anything that God is saying. You know, we want to encourage each other as we, as we look to welcome the kingdom of God. You know, that's just one really simple thing that we could maybe do. You know, we all have a part to play in seeing the kingdom of God come here in Stirling. Everyone gets to play. So let's step up, let's step together, and let's step out. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Father, I just thank you for your word to us this morning. And firstly, I just want to pray for anyone who has counted themselves out for, from being used by you. Father, there are people who feel like they're not good enough. Lord, would you come and just speak your truth in their hearts? God, I pray, uh, as we've been praying the last weeks, would you continue to be stirring our hearts with, with vision and purpose and a sense of what you want to do in and through us. And Father, I pray today that you would begin to show us the practical steps that we can take. Lord, even if today, Lord, you fill us afresh with your your spirit to to go and to walk our streets and to pray and and to listen and to partner with what you want to do. Lord, would you stir our hearts? Lord, would you make us restless for our city? Lord Jesus, I just pray that even just now you would be speaking to hearts just give you a few moments to just speak to our hearts right now. For some of us right now, I feel like God's just dropping ideas of of ways we can serve our neighbours, ways that we can bless our neighbours, connect with our neighbours. Lord, would you give us boldness? Would you give us boldness to to demonstrate your love in new and creative ways? Would you give us ideas this morning, new ideas and a new boldness to follow through with those ideas? 
Lord, for others of us, would you show a person that you want to connect us with? It's just that real sense that for some people we feel like we're alone. And I feel like this morning God wants to connect people together. Uh, and even now, I feel like God wants to just drop the name of someone to connect with this week, to, to send a text, to phone, to FaceTime, to just have a conversation. How are you doing? How can I help you? How can I encourage you? Let's just pay attention to who God is just putting on our hearts right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Father, help us not be lazy in the things of you. Help us not see anything as beneath us. Lord, I just pray that you would help us step out for you this week. Help us be obedient to what you're showing and asking us to do. We just give you our worship this morning. Lord, build your kingdom, we pray. Amen.